listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody, to the Beyond the Game program. Come on in, have a seat. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Very glad to have you with us as well. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram. We bring you sports talk, and we bring it to you from a faith-based point of view. Man, what a week it was in sports. It's weeks like this. I, I wish we had a few hours of programming to talk about all that went on. The college football national championship game went pretty much the way most people sort of thought it would though I was hoping Clemson would somehow pull out a win. Pulling for the ACC, home of the Syracuse Orange, of course. But I do like Coach Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson football program. I like how upfront Coach Sweeney is and how unashamed he is to stand for Jesus. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good game. I know a lot of people have said the game itself was not entertaining, but I I didn't have a problem with it. My only complaint, though, is at the game. Like any other big-time nationally televised game, just goes too stinking late. In this era of when we want to keep games moving, we want to finish in a timely manner, you get to one of these big final games, whether it be college national championship games or a World Series game, if it's a big-time national television game, they are going to drag this thing out. For a game that aired at 8 p.m., and I don't know, kickoff was probably 15 or 20 minutes later, it was close to midnight, I don't know, maybe even slightly after that it finished. Four hours? In complete disclosure, I I was asleep after three of those hours. I just can't, I can't do it. I remember seeing people on Twitter complaining that like, it's almost 11 o'clock at night and the second half is just starting, you know? I I didn't watch it, but I thought to myself, well, I'm kind of glad I'm not watching this because I would have to stay up and I'd be exhausted tomorrow. How fair is that to young kids who want to see the game with their parents? If you let them watch the game, and make that notable memory together, a memory they'll have for years to come watching the game with dad or with mom, man, they're a wreck the next day. Yeah, I'm a wreck the next day. As I said, I really respect Coach Sweeney. This is a stand-up guy. On Saturday before the game, Clemson was forced to practice inside a hotel ballroom because of bad weather. Meanwhile, the LSU team was practicing at the spacious, the well-equipped indoor practice facility of the NFL's New Orleans Saints. Did LSU get an advantage being the hometown team? Sweeney was asked about it, and without hesitation, he didn't leave any room for excuses. He said, quote, we might have had the best practice we've had all year. We had the same opportunity to go to the Palatial Saints facility It's just crazy how people put these narratives out there right away. We had the same exact opportunity to go there, but we were going to have to change our schedule and just didn't want to do that. And obviously the weather was nasty. Even after losing perhaps their best player on defense during the game, James Skalski, to a targeting call, there was no excuses. Sweeney said after the game, I didn't get to see it very clear, but listen, that's football. There's no excuses. We're not making any excuses. That's football. Sweeney spoke highly of LSU, gave them the due credit they deserved on being the better team, and and they were. It's refreshing to see that type of character. Sweeney said, obviously, a disappointing night for us, not the way we envisioned it going. 
But let me just first say I'm incredibly thankful for our team. I'm thankful for God's grace for allowing me to be part of such a special group of people, coaches, staff, and players in just an unreal year. I mean, it's incredible. It's just an incredible year, two years, won 29 games in a row. It's been a long time since I've stood in front of a team with a loss. Man, no excuses. This guy is just such a positive on his team. When people make excuses, they allow themselves to settle rather than making adjustments, striving for more, sort of justifying their shortcomings rather than insisting on the very best. Blame is assigned to somewhere else for however it is that they came up lacking. Many times excuse-making becomes habitual, and it results in even more failure. God may have bigger things planned for you, but he wants you to trust him, and he wants you to keep striving ahead in order to accomplish things which perhaps you never even thought possible. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. People have made excuses from the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed Eve, and even God himself. After all, it was he who gave the woman to Adam. I like people like Dabo Sweeney. No excuses. Keep working. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God had appointed Jeremiah to be his prophet to the nations. But Jeremiah started to make an excuse why he couldn't do the job. He said in Jeremiah 1.6, I cannot speak for I am a child. But God didn't want to hear excuses. His answer to Jeremiah in verses 7 and 8, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And he's going to do the same for you and I. We need to trust God for the victory. But even if we come up short, let's not make excuses, but further trust that God is doing a work within us. Stop making excuses. Keep pressing forward, working to accomplish really whatever your dreams may be until God completely closes that door anyway. But remember, he's going to open a new one, so there's no need for excuses. Of course, we shouldn't make excuses, but perhaps we should keep in mind that a little bit of grace when other people are part of our team or our success or our failure would be appropriate. What I mean is when I'm speaking on behalf of my team, perhaps I could temper my words when speaking quite so matter-of-factly but not Baltimore Ravens Pro Bowl cornerback Marlon Humphrey. After the heavily favored Ravens, the team probably most people thought were going to be in the Super Bowl, probably win the Super Bowl, after they played perhaps their worst game of the season and being eliminated by the Tennessee Titans, Humphrey flat out said in a post-game interview that his team choked. For the second season in a row, the Ravens finished their season losing at home early in the playoffs. After Saturday night's game, Humphrey spoke about, quote, the sad reality of his team. I think you have to look at yourself in the mirror. I think this team's identity right now is to get in the playoffs and choke. <laughs> it is what it is. This is just the hard truth. Now he was this was after the game. He was asked about his comments a day later and his stance hadn't changed. He said, "I stand by that. I was it was actually what I was thinking on the sideline." Wow. Yeah, as Ravens players were cleaning out their lockers after Coach John Harbaugh's final team meeting of the season, Humphrey was asked about Harbaugh's message to the team, and he said, I don't really know the vibe of it. You feel like you've got to say something in those meetings, so Coach just gets up there and says whatever. 
I understand being disappointed, and we just spoke of nobody really wants to hear excuses, but he sounds sort of bitter. Yeah. And I guess he's just being honest, but wouldn't it be better to try to say it in such a way that his teammates can take some encouragement from it? First Thessalonians 5.11 says to comfort yourselves together and edify one another. I once heard someone point out in regards to that verse that Paul doesn't tell us to take comfort. Instead, he tells us to give comfort. Maybe Humphrey could have said something along the lines of, we didn't play as well as we're capable of, and we need to correct some things to avoid getting a reputation of choking in big situations. Perhaps instead of being brutally honest, he could have been honest and still yet maybe been comforting. Yes, they could have done better and should have done better, but at least try to come across with some optimism that you will next time around. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it was so much that they choked as they just couldn't tackle Derrick Henry, but a lot of people have had problems with that. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of memes this past week about Lamar Jackson choking in the playoff because you remember how bad he was against the Chargers last year. But I looked through the box score. Lamar Jackson accounted for almost... I think over 500 yards of total offense between rushing and passing. That's not a choke. They lost to a really good football team. I don't know if you can call that a choke. I just think Marlon Humphrey, like you said, seems like, I don't, I don't know, he's in some kind of weird headspace. We should speak words of encouragement to one another. Words that are unifying, not divisive. Romans 5.15 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Just some things to think about to start off this week's show before we head to break. Still to come, Zach will have his shenanigan statements for this week, and we should probably leave a little extra time because with so much happening in sports, I'm sure Zach has a few things to say, especially with all that's going on in Major League Baseball. Come on back. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Taking a look back at the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. On Friday night, the University of Bridgeport basketball teams came to town to take on the Red Hawks at the Voller Athletic Center. Emily Miller led all scorers with 20 points and 15 rebounds, picking up her sixth double-double of the season, her fourth in five games, as the women came away with a 61-48 win. In the nightcap of the basketball doubleheader, the men were tripped up 85-77, this despite getting a triple-double from redshirt freshman Amari Lee. Lee finished with 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. Armand Nasiri was the game's leading scorer with 24 points. It was the same results on Sunday as the women won their sixth straight game, defeating Queens College 75-65. Taryn Wilson paced Roberts Wesleyan with 21 points as Miller scored 19 and once again came away with a double-double, adding 11 rebounds. Sarah Nady also scored in double digits with 15 points in the Red Hawks' win. Reggie Clark's game-tying three-pointer with 13 seconds left sent the contest into overtime where the men lost a tough one against Queens, 87-85. Nasiri added a double-double of 27 points and 14 rebounds. Coming up, your next chance to catch the Red Hawks at home is Friday, January 24th, which is also FCA night at Roberts Wesleyan College. Come celebrate the local ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes together with other athletes, coaches, and local FCA huddles as they fellowship together and share what FCA has meant to them. 
That's Friday, January 24th. As the Red Hawks welcome in New York Institute of Technology. Women tipping off at 6 p.m., followed by the men at 8. Contact FCA to register before January 22nd for free admission. You can get their number from their website, nyfca.org. Also coming up Sunday, January 26th, the Red Hawks will host Malloy College. Start time for the ladies is 2 p.m., followed by the men at 4. Mark your calendars and go on out and support the Red Hawks, the Rochester area's only Division II college athletics program. And stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. You can also follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Hey gang, Benson here again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beyond the Game program. While Zach and I have fun talking sports, it's even more exciting for us to have this opportunity to share with you the greatest and most important news that there is. I assume I'm talking to a reasonably bright group of people. That's why you listen to this radio station. So of course you can decide for yourself what to do with what I'm telling you, but at least give me this moment or two to share with you what's on my mind. Because as I'm sure you know, every one of us is a sinner we can't get to heaven on our own merit. That means we'll spend all of eternity in hell trying to pay the debt of our sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us, so much so that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was the only one who never sinned. And though he needed not to die, he willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt which we owed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity of despair. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is after he died, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making eternal life in heaven possible as a result of his righteousness. Sports Talk Radio is fun, but it also allows us to share this message of the forgiveness of sins with people all around the world who we'll probably never get to meet. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God and admit to him that you know you're a sinner and tell him that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and ask him to forgive you your sins. Begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Once again, thanks so much for listening to the Beyond the Game program. 
Thanks for tuning in and welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. The program is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. It's heard all around the world via podcast. And this week, we'd like to say hello to Mariana, Florida, one of the many places to download last week's program. Mariana, Florida is the birthplace of singer Bobby Goldsboro and home to Chipola College, a terrific junior college athletics program. They have a very well-respected basketball and especially baseball programs. The Chipola Indians count among their alum Russell Martin, Jose Bautista, Patrick Corbin, and Buck Showalter, among others. Thanks for listening, and Mariana, Florida, wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you as well. Here's Zach Barletta with this week's Shenanigans Statements. All right, number one. After leading the Vegas Golden Knights to winning seasons and playoff appearances in their only two seasons of existence, including a Stanley Cup final in their inaugural season, and despite a winning record this season, Las Vegas acted rashly by firing Gerard Gallant earlier this week. Yeah, I agree. They were 24-19-6 at the time. That's a winning record. I, I Maybe they won more, but that's a winning record. And after two playoff seasons to react to a four-game losing streak by firing the coach, there's there's got to be more to it to me, no? Yeah. Uh, their GM said it's hard to put into words unless you're, you've done these jobs, but it's more the feeling that you have to make a change might be needed. A feeling? Really, you fired this guy over a field. They've been one of the most successful teams in the league over the last three years or since their inception. Yeah. Vegas is said to be one of the most analytically focused teams in hockey. I would have thought they would believe in their numbers, that they would bear themselves out at the end of the day. I, I would have thought they'd have stuck with it. This just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they acted rashly. If I remember correctly, Gallant lost his former job because – he was not super into analytics, so I wonder if that is a driving force behind this. I've seen tweeted by hockey insiders that it was 100% performance-based, but you and I talked about this the other night. How can it be performance-based when the guy's led you to the playoffs every year and is above 500 this year? Yeah, look, if you don't like the guy or if you don't agree over the analytics and you're just man, your button heads all the time over, just say that. Say, look, we have a difference of opinion and the best thing is to move forward. To say it's performance-based when that's crazy. It is crazy. Truth or shenanigans. The four men fired this week because of their involvement in the Astros cheating scandal. GM Jeff Lunau, managers A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, and Carlos Beltran. Beltran, of course, was a player on that 2017 team. Truth or shenanigans, those four men will work in baseball again in the future. What do you think, Zach? I think yes. Hmm. Look, I mean, we've seen guys convicted of domestic violence serve their suspensions, come back and get multi-million dollar contracts. The league has shown if you're talented, if you're one of the best at what you do, they'll forgive and forget. And look, Jeff Lunau built this team and it's incredibly talented. It's incredibly deep. It's built for sustained success. Somebody else is going to want that. And maybe he doesn't come back as a GM right away. Maybe he has to start as an advisor, spend several years remaking his image, and I'm fine with that. Um, the other guys, Hinch, Cora, both have been very successful managers. Beltran is looked at as a fantastic baseball guy and, and future manager. And I think some team is going to look at that talent, overlook the, the history, and I, I just think people tend to give second chances. So I think those guys, at least the majority of them, will work in baseball again. Yeah, listen, I like second chances, but I don't think all four will. I say shenanigans. I don't see Lou now ever getting hired somewhere. And specifically, it's because 
from what I understand, he never forwarded that memo from Major League Baseball saying, uh, warning about future violations. He never forwarded it down to the field managers. Maybe had you done that, the they would have stopped. Although the more these investigations go on, the more we find out they wouldn't have stopped anyway. Yeah, but. maybe they still haven't. Additionally, Cora and Beltron were, were listen, Beltron is supposed to be one of the nicest guys, yeah. but- Man, he was named as heavily involved. So the only way I think they do is many years down the line, maybe as as you're saying, uh, take some smaller role job somewhere, work their way back, regain trust. Um, I, I'm going to say no to Lunhow, Cora, and Beltran maybe years down the line. A.J. Hinch is the one guy I think will be back. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be, his sin seemed to be one of omission. He didn't do anything about it. Maybe he should have, but he didn't. Yeah, um, but he allowed it. Yeah, but he allowed it. So there, there's culpability there. I'm not saying that, but it. I think he'd be the one guy that's probably back sooner than the others. And Loonhow, I, I, I just, I'm not sure he will. Yeah, I think the one guy that won't is Cora, because I think having done it back to back years on different teams, I think he might be more likely to get a lifetime ban. We'll see. Well, you make a good point when that comes down. Number three, after handing out cash money to LSU players on the sidelines after Monday's national championship game. Odell Beckham Jr. should be banned from access to student-athletes and from being present on NCAA sidelines and in locker rooms. I I agree. I I will say that, look, this is Odell Beckham. It's being blown up more than perhaps it should be. But plain and simple, it's impermissible benefits that are prohibited by the NCAA. you got to be smarter than that. The bigger thing is this is a guy that's probably been told all his life how special he is, and now it's as if he thinks the rules don't apply to him. And you just sort of see that pattern of behavior. The, the fact bears this out. The fact that a security guard in New Orleans Police Department issuing a warrant, which, again, I think is over the top because he slapped the backside. Uh, you, who does that? Yeah. Unless you feel like the rules don't apply to you and you're just special. Yeah, I think you should be off the sidelines. I think you should be out of the locker rooms. Go to the game, sit in the suite, but you're not getting sideline access to the players. Yeah, I think that's correct. I think uh, Jalen Rose said it, and we heard the clip on the Michael K show earlier here in the studio, that this night should have been about LSU and what they accomplished. And instead, only a few days later, we're not seeing any clips of the game. We're not seeing talk about how good Joe Burrow was. What we're seeing is Odell Beckham Jr., and for all the wrong reasons. On a night that should have been about LSU, Odell Beckham Jr. took it upon himself to steal the spotlight there are going to be players that instead of celebrating their win might be being investigated by the NCAA, who we know loves to suspend willy-nilly. And then you have the incident that's getting him uh, an arrest warrant where he slaps a cop on the butt. Who does that? Who mm-hmm. even thinks they can get away with that? Odell Beckham Jr., look, because it's him, he's going to be under more scrutiny than anybody else because of who he is and his backstory, his history. But both of those incidents that he did on that night were both wrong. And he deserves whatever backlash he gets. Speaking of LSU, you saw the video, the pictures, Joe Burrow's in the locker room. Oh, yeah. Smoking a cigar, full dress. He, I mean, he's got his shoulder pads on. His cleats are still on. He's just sitting there. Coolest just, guy on campus. Man, is that the truth? He is just as cool as a cucumber. I think we're going to see that photo for a long time. Well, Zach, we're running out of time. So let's just close out our show for this week. Typically, we end our show with our You Like That segment. A number of years back, we used to have a segment that we called Pest of the Week, in which we picked out something or someone who had done something we didn't like from the world of sports. 
We changed it because we wanted to be more encouraging. For this week, we're bringing back the pest of the week for one week only. We're doing it because there was just so many things that we're not going to get to on this week's program. And for me, one of the things I want to bring up is my pest of the week is Antonio Brown. I'm no doctor, nor do I play one on TV. But the former NFL star sure seems to be a guy just screaming out for help. So please get some. Negative stories about Brown seem to be piling up, and they are harder and harder to dismiss. The recently shared video of him yelling obscenities at the mother of his children, as well as calling police officers who were present explicit names, all this in front of his children, and something which Brown himself posted a live feed of the encounter, it's a shame to watch this self-destructive behavior, and it's not just because he's a world-class athlete. My pest of the week, Antonio Brown. My pest of the week is Jessica Mendoza of ESPN and also mm-hmm. of the New York Mets. I forgot until recently that she was an a uh, an advisor for the Mets, but she was interviewed recently talking about the cheating scandal that we've already mentioned. I don't know how many times, uh, but with the Astros and the Red Sox, she was asked about it, and she said her issue with it was Mike Fires breaking basically the sanctity of the locker room to expose the cheating scandal to the public at large. And I, she tried to walk it back later, but basically what she said was, well, Mike Fire should have gone to the team or the league or whoever with this information instead of exposing it to the public, which was an ignorant statement because most people know this stuff had been sent to the league for years. It had been brought to the team and had been mentioned. People knew it was an open secret around the league. You know, teams were changing their signs in the playoffs against the Astros because they knew stuff was happening. The team and the league did not do anything about it until there was a public outcry. And that's why Jessica Mendoza is wrong. Mike Fires did the only thing that was left to do. I salute him for what he did. I think most people do. Jessica Mendoza and her take, that's my pest of the week. Yeah, and you know, you're right. That Mike Fires, life's not going to be comfortable for him. You know what? There's no way that that camaraderie, that... Uh, fellowship in the clubhouse is probably broken for him. He's not going to be invited to a lot of parties, I guess is what I'm saying. But not everybody is comfortable Mm -hmm. when the players around you are cheating. Some people will go along with it and not say others, but some people will stand up and say something about it. And good good for him. He wasn't comfortable. He said something. Um, Looking back on it, he said, man, I – uh, that's a tough place to be if you're mm. Mike Fires. Do I say something? Do I not say something? Uh, am I? When do I say something? Yeah, that's and, a tough spot. And people have said, well, you know, he waited till he was off the Astros. He was more than happy to take advantage of the cheating when he was on the Astros. Well, yeah, he was contractually obligated to play for the Astros as part of that team. He had to play. What was he going to do? You know, but uh, he did the right thing. He got the information out there. I applaud him for it. Well, that's our show for this week. Tune in again next week, and maybe it'll be even better. The Beyond the Game program airs thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's a mainly listener-supported radio program. And whether you pray for us or whether you give financially, we want you to know we appreciate you. We would ask that you would pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry. Please keep us in your prayers, and if you want to give a financial gift, whether it's one-time or recurring, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 